Star Star Yeah, yeah, y'all already know, y'all already know. Seven the pan, seven the pan. That dude fizz on the fizz on the feet. Yeah, yeah. We live in entertainment, entertainment. Sound change, sound change, sound change. Crown the king, crown the king, homie. This is where it get ill. About to have a tip off live as a tip drill. From the court to the diamond to the track to the big skin flying round the fields. Hard and five forever keeping it real. If it matters in the world of sports, world of sports, teams and all seeds, they taking no shorts. So hot the tempo, yes. These other sports podcasts live as a pro's course. This market wave is starting five goes off, goes off. No matter who you share for, emotions out the window. They analyzing with clear thoughts, clear thoughts. They take it way deeper than the boys ever, boys ever. No longer got any use for the four letters. The latest news, score stats in the view from the sideline. Ain't no guideline, it's just the truth, just the truth. Yeah. No need to dig for a part in line. It's always in season to keep the starting five, starting five. We going in on three, run the baseline, starting five, kid. We got what you we need. Got what you if the sports news you see, we don't waste time. We talking cause we live. We got what you we need. Got what you yeah. need. We going in on three. Run the baseline. Start five. Get it. We got what you we need. Got what you need. And y'all know me. Seven sign. I'm the illest cat. Stick. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got what you I don't know why I started with that random shit because that shit was hilarious. I've been dying laughing at it for the past few days because it was some random shit that you could find on my TikTok page, on our TikTok page that you can see right on the name right there. It's your boy, the mayor, that GJ named Ace5. As always, hiding out in deepest, darkest Africa right now. And we are back. New week. Pro Bowl weekend, Super Bowl is upon us, TJ. Say what? Hello. Hi. How are you doing today, as my kids would say? <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to do it at the beginning of the show? Uh-oh. It's fucking here we go, Jamal. The connection. Oh, man. Go go right ahead, good brother. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody listening in? New week. Just got through this week on this fresh, sunny Sunday. The snow was gone, which is great. Getting ready to start this new week. Uh, TJ's back. There he is. Hello, back, TJ. Daniel. Hey, how are you, Daniel? <laughs> What's up, Jamal? What's going on, man? Welcome back, brother. <laughs> Say gone but not forgotten. <laughs> temporary ass. <laughs> temporary ass. <laughs> but as always, y'all know why we're here. Another dope show for y'all. We're gonna do Super Bowl predictions. We're gonna get into this Brian Brian Flores situation. Plus, we're going to talk about some of our great leaders as this being Black History Month, the shortest month in the fucking forever. Uh, but we're going to talk about some of the leaders of men and women out there because, you know, 
as Brian Flores is currently doing in the NFL, which is suing due to the lack of now this is a real lack of diversity for some of y'all out there especially wrestling fans know what i'm talking about um but uh this is this is we're, we're currently in the times of a real lack of diversity especially within the nfl ranks and we are going to highlight some of the greats across all sports that have been head coaches managers etc but we're going to get into that after this fucking travesty <laughs> these motherfuckers had what two years to pick a name mm. roughly two years to pick a name mm-hmm. people gave them fire ass names too like the wash the washington warriors uh they could have went with the washington wizards and matched the fucking nba team or something i don't know they decided to go with the fucking Washington Commanders. So you go from a Native American name that, again, debatable, that some would say was racist, some would say wasn't and represented their people. And I remember when this the whole copyright situation happened like he actually had tribal chiefs saying that they were okay with it then you had other tribal chiefs out there saying no they're not okay with it the right. biggest problem was within the red man face That's it. and the red man was always the derogatory racial slur against the natives of this land and they then go with the fucking commanders, which I know a lot of people probably was immediately thinking this don't sound like no military. This don't we're thinking about the owner, Dan Snyder. This just sounds like sharecropping slave owning motherfuckers, Jamal. <laughs> this 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 name is one of the wackest fucking names ever. It's but trash. I will give props that black uniform does look dope, and that's about it. That's that part is fine, but like you know, they had like you said they had two years. They could have solicited names from the public. There's, there's devices to do that. There's firms that will help you come up with a brand and a name for 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 your uh, your organization. How they came up with this one? It, it seemed like they chose it last week. They, like they was unclear. <laughs> and they, we got a couple of something like. I would have taken like the Pullman porters over the commanders. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 they, they, they up there, but the, I don't know. It, it just Washington being Washington, man. You know, when your ownership stinks, you know, from the top down, you're rotten from the inside out. This is what you're gonna get. So the the Washington what? iron workers, <laughs> the, the Washington local threes. <laughs> like this is TJ. This is fucking horrendous. I, I'm sorry. I mean, why didn't they just leave it the the football team, Washington football team? I was cool with that. That was just that's better than the damn. I mean, they should have just called themselves the Musketeers at this point. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> the number one. Yo, so is the crowd is the crowd going to be chanting Cobra like right. every time they score a touchdown or something like that? That was just like a bad G.I. Joe name. This is like the most awfulest name you could come up with. The Commanders. That's you know what you know you know who named the team right? Donald Trump named this team. This is what a team that Donald Trump would name. You call them the Commanders. 
just so stupid. Do they field test this at all? Do they do none? None. None. Trash. Third graders could have came up with a better name than this. <laughs> this literally right here is the perfect image. The fucking perfect image for y'all for for y'all listening on the podcast platforms. This is a picture of Dan Snyder and Cobra Commander in his new colors, holding a football, announcing his hire as commander's head coach, GM, ruler of the world. <laughs> like, this this is just atrocious, yo. I, I just, I, I once again, that just proves Dan Snyder to be one of the worst owners. Yeah. Who, period. Who's gonna buy that merch with commanders across their chest? I'm waiting to see this. The fan base, and did you see that? I don't have it up, but did y'all see that video of the fucking five black folks that looked like they were standing in front of the fucking stadium, talking about? This is this is our new uh new chant in the stadium. We are commanders. Bump 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 bump. Oh. bump. <laughs> like, like the name is the name is that week. The name is that week that that it could deserve a chant that fucking week. Trash. This is this is this is trash. Uh, no other better way to put it. This is fucking horrendous. Trash ass name for a trash organization. Which we got plenty of out there, but we're gonna get to the two organizations that happen to not be the trash organizations this year in the Super Bowl: Los Angeles Rams versus Joe Shiesty's Cincinnati Bengals. I'm just gonna say it out quick because I don't have no long drawn out thing to to break down this game. I want to see both teams win. I really do. But I'm going to run with the former LSU Tiger quarterback. The kid plays amazing in championship game uh, formats and and situations. And I want to see the underdogs win. I want to see a team like Cincinnati, who has not made it to the Super Bowls in 30, 31 years. Last time, 87. Before that, 81. I want to see this team break their drought of championships. I, I I know the Rams have way more firepower across the board on both sides of the ball, but there's been something about this Bengals team that we thought that they was going to lose to just about everybody they played, and it hasn't happened yet. Whoever wants it, go right ahead. Um, you know, they, they could pull this off. They've surprised me. I've picked against them pretty much the entire year, and I've been wrong every time. So they could they could definitely they proved that metal in their worth. They shut down one of the most high explosive offenses in the league a week ago. And that was very impressive. That was very impressive. Their defense is stout. I, I gotta give it to them. Their corners are stout, their linebackers are to the ball. Their D-line gets in the backfield. Like, I got no complaints about this. This team is solid in all three phases, like quarterback, offense, offensive line. Well, ugh, the offensive line needs work. But outside of that, I mean, they, they've they been getting it done all year. And, and, they, and like you said, Burrow continues to impress. At every test he gets, he continues to press. And they were down. They were down big against KC in that first half. 
and he had the wherewithal and, and the stamina to, to keep his head level, not panic, and trust in his receivers and his line to, to get him through that. It was just an amazing job he's done. Um, like you said, you want both teams to win. I'm, I'm of the same mindset. Um, I'd love to see Odell get a ring. I'd love to see Matt Stafford, long overdue, get a ring. Mm-hmm. You know, that man's lived in the, in the struggle basically his whole career. Right. And now he's finally to, to take out on top. He, who more deservingly needs a ring more than him, right? I mean, Burrow's going to be around for a long time. Stafford maybe got a few more years left. You got to get it while this window's still open. Um, it, 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 you know what? It's it, it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to be either a blowout or it's going to be a tight game uh, due to the way the Bengals play defense. And you got to give props to the, def- uh, the Bengals defensive coordinator. He figures shit out on the fly so he doesn't get beat the same way twice again. So um, it is, it's definitely an interesting matchup. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It should be an exciting game. And um, I think the Rams are going to pull it out. I don't think it by much, but I think they're going to pull it out. Maybe by 10 points, if that. But a, a field goal might decide this game at the end of the day. Yeah, and I, I can run with you on the, the closed game aspect because, yeah, I mean, we just seen the comeback that the Bengals just pulled on the Chiefs last week. Um Meanwhile, the Rams almost tried to give the game away and just play to maintain. Right. And to me, Jamal, that's where that difference sets in in a close game and why I can I, I could comfortably pick the Bengals, even though I, I, you know, legitimately none of us truly have a stake in this because our team's been out. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter which way this one goes. I, I can just see because how the Bengals have played through the playoffs, tight games, close at the end, who was the one to stand tall at the end and actually overcome more than what the Rams have just done against some really tough competition in holding off more than, you know, like they shooting their load early mm-hmm. and then pray, excuse me, play prevent in a way on both sides of the ball. Right. You know what I'm saying? The Bengals defense, they play in championship defense right now. And that's that's the key is um I don't think the Rams are gonna bring anything that the Bengals can't manage on defense. Maybe some clever play calling, some trick plays here and there, but um they should be able to handle it. It's if that Bengals O line, how they gonna handle uh Aaron Donald and them, that's the key. But, you know, they got two weeks to game plan it. Um, I picked against the Bengals so far. I ain't picking against them again. I think they're going to win. <laughs> I straight up think they're going to win. Um, and these are the games where Legends is born. I mean, uh, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, it's games like this where it's stacked against you. Joe Burrow may, may, may be trying to step into them shoes. And so far, he hasn't disappointed. Nobody expected him to be where they are right now. You know, and they're – they're a different team than they was during the regular season. They're playing at a different level. So, you know, in uh, just a one-game scenario, they, they're even. It's about who executes their game plan better. But I think the Bengals is playing with house money. The Rams, yeah. you know, you can only win so many close games before you lose that close game. So let's see what's up. But I'm picking the Bengals. Yeah. Nobody saw Joe Shiesty for real. Like, yeah, nobody saw this coming from him. Like, 
at all. Like, I mean, they saw what he could do in college. When you get to the NFL, you definitely it's definitely a different level, a different tier. And who knows if he didn't get hurt last year? You know what what would have happened? How far he would have carried them? But after coming off a damn near career-ending injury, and only being in his second year, that's phenomenal. The, the work he's doing is phenomenal. And if he gets a better O line, forget about it. It's a wrap. It's a wrap in that division. They'll be they'll be sitting on top for a long time in that division if he continues to play this way. Sir, barring injury. Yep, yep, yep. And excuse me for the the short pause because there was uh, trucks coming by, and I was making sure I pinned this video and this show in the group. That's the Star Five Podcast Facebook group. Search for us. Come join the group. Easy access to get in. Answer the three questions correctly to be a member. Come in, have fun with us, kick it. Watch these shows that we're doing now each and every week. Plus, there's other podcasters that drop their stuff in there also because though we are, you know, we are who we are. We don't mind. I personally don't mind sharing this space with others because shit. I <laughs> many of people don't do the same, haven't done the same for myself and us over the years. And I am not afraid to help big others up at all. So you got podcasts. Don't just see now. There is one problem though. And I will say it on the show, which is not really a problem. There's one person that ever since this person's been in the group, never really interacted with everything, but his podcast is playing in there every week. Again, I don't mind because spread the love. But also it doesn't show anybody watching this show from our group either. But also you better, you got to start coming around and participating, getting to know people. It's the same format and, 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 logic that we've used from hhdg and other groups and other groups get yourself known you ain't got to be buddy buddy with everybody but we show love out here you know what i'm saying we show love so don't be afraid if you're another podcast you know other podcasters come through come through this is a melting pot for creators it's okay to share your stuff with us <laughs> just come through get to know the people a little bit get to know the lay of the land and we show love it's as simple as that but a person who is not being shown love is Mr. Brian Flores. Which one of y'all want to set the table on this situation? I'm going to give Let it you, up to one of y'all. Jay, you can take it first. So, uh, where do I begin? Because there's, there's a lot to unpack with this. Um, you know, uh, first of all, um, I commend Brian Flores. I think what he's doing is incredibly uh, courageous and self-sacrificing because he's a young dude. He could still eat in the NFL right now if he kept his mouth shut for another 25 years. And he would still get another head coaching job at some point if he just maintained status quo. But he wants institutional change and he sacrificed himself. He's pretty much becoming a suicide bomber to, to do this. And FBI, might... we are not condoning suicide <laughs> <Yeah>. bombing. <laughs> CIA and all you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Very big on the quotes. <laughs> he sacrificed himself for institutional change, which is incredibly commendable because we all know, especially in the history of this country, fighting against anything racist, it takes a coalition of different measures 
to make some shit happen. It's not one way um, uh, to do it. You need a whole bunch of different ways, but you need somebody like Brian Flores to just call it out. And they're not going to be able to hide from it. Is this going to change stuff overnight? I don't know. But they're on the defensive. Right. They are extremely on the defensive now. Um, what they did to him, uh, at least I'm just going to take two topics, what the Dolphins did to him and what the Giants did to him. The other stuff, you know, is, you know, is, is kind of whatever. You know, she said, she said, between the Broncos and Jerry Elway and his other situation. But he's elbow deep in his feelings bag right now because they fucked him over. So he calling out every fucking body. Right. Right. But, you know, uh, with the Dolphins letting him go after two seasons, after two back-to-back winning seasons was, was trash. Okay. That's just straight-up trash. Okay. And it, it goes to his point of what he's saying, what happens with the black coaches being the short leash. Now, I feel strongly about the situation with the Giants because if I'm going to call out and address racism in the sport of football, I at least need to start with the team that I root for. And they have that Rooney rule set up, which is it's better than nothing, but it's it, it's uh, it's it's complicated and difficult as it is. But they're supposed to interview two black candidates or two minority candidates, uh, one at least in person and one virtually, before they make their decision. So they had the little Leslie Frazier interview, I think, virtually. Yeah. If indeed they made up their mind on Brian Dable before uh, that interview uh, with Brian Flores, that is that is trash. That is that's fucked up. And what he's doing now, <clears throat> uh, the measures he's taking now is right. And they know it's wrong. Roger Goodell knows it's wrong because uh, uh, they 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 kind of made a, a, an about face when this first happened. They, they, the NFL was like, oh, <laughs> you can't be making these claims without merit. But now Roger Goodell saying the practice, uh, the, the, the situation is unacceptable and how right. they hire minority comments. Right? And on that point there, let me take over because what the, what, what, if you're unfamiliar with what's going on is that Brian Flores is suing the league for racial discrimination purposes and saying that the hiring practice is unfair, even with Rooney Rule set in place. Now, right at the to go right off the point that Jamal was just making about the NFL, yeah, Roger Goodell, as stated, made a complete about-face on this whole situation. He first said no merit, then came out and would sent a late, uh, letter to all 32 teams stating that these hiring practices need some change. This is just a, and that's just like, it's not verbatim, but that's in, in a, a gist and in essence of what is being said in said letters, that there needs to be institutional change uh, when it comes to our hiring practices, your hiring practices owners. Because again, Roger Goodell is the head of the umbrella. He might write, he's the, the judge, jury, and executioner on the rules and situations and how things go. But you got to kind of also think about it as he's controlling 32 independent contractors. Right. These 32 independent contractors, aka NFL team owners, still have the rights to hire how they choose, but as long as they follow the rules that. Goodell is supposed to enforce. You're taking y'all Giants, for instance, perfect, great example, because if you want to talk about and you want to bring the aspect of racism into this, 
not saying that the Giants organization is racist, but if you call them that, I understand. This is the last team to start a black quarterback in the NFL. To start a black quarterback ever in the NFL. And they did that because Eli was hurt one time. Geno Smith, I think it was 2017 to be exact, or maybe a couple years prior to that. But think about that. It took this organization that long. And then, as I pull them up, let me pull the – Brian Flores found out about – because the Giants situation became the hot, hot-button team and topic within this whole thing. He got text messages from Bill Belichick. And here mm-hmm. are the text messages. This is on CNN.com. And this is how the text messages were reading as he reported it. Sounds like you have landed. Congrats. Bill Belichick text Flores according to screen grabs of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Did you hear something I didn't hear? Flores was replied. Giants. Belichick text. I interviewed on Thursday. I think I have a shot at it. Got it. I heard from Buffalo and New York Giants that you are their guy, Belichick replied. Later, Flores sought clarification. He said, Coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? Flores asked. Just making sure. Sorry, I fucked this up, Belichick answered. I double-checked and I misread the text. I think they are naming Dable. Sorry about that, BB. Yeah. Like I called it maybe like a week or two ago when everybody went on, especially y'all do. Oh, I like him for the Giants. I like him. I do. I do. He probably would have been a great hire for the Giants. But I made it plain and simple. The Giants ain't hiring no Negroes at the top spot on their team. I'm sorry. And if you needed that proof, like I just mentioned a few seconds ago, just look back at how long it took them. They were the last team to start a black quarterback in the NFL. And I'm reminding y'all this in Black History Month, that the New York Giants, a lot of teams that y'all niggas love, I'm not saying go find a new team. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. They gave y'all joy over the 40 years that I've been living because I've seen all four Super Bowls. i seen them, and I wasn't a fan. i seen them. They gave y'all joy if you have been living as long as I have. But if we're talking about a racist league and a that I – you can it's it's the evidence is there that you could point the finger at them. They love Negroes at every other position. And let's not keep you know, let's keep it funky. Michael Strahan is a god over there. Lawrence Taylor, the goat at linebacker, is a god. New York Giant. So many of the Giants' greatest of greats share our same melanin as us on this show. So yeah, you can also say, yeah, they're not racist, but it also flows with that thinking of the historic nature behind what they think of us at the quarterback position, what they think about us in coaching roles, and especially the lead coaching role, things like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? And for this to have come out, especially these text messages, TJ, it is so damning against the league and against. You got this proof, and and you got it from the God MC of coaching himself, Bill Belichick. 
Yo, so <laughs> I never would, I never thought I would utter these words, but shout out to Bill Belichick for shit starting this whole <laughs> thing. B. I up. would never give Belichick his props, but <laughs> this on this shit right here, he knew exactly what the fuck he was doing, 100%. how he was doing it, and who oh, he was doing it to. If they don't smack Bill Belichick's hand for fucking this whole thing up. They're 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 sad. They're they're in the wrong because. Oh, and let's act like and let's not forget. Bill Belichick got a history of fucking up already, and, <laughs> and skated and skated persecution from your fuck man, up already. Your man is definitely f- pulling the 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 triple bloods skating shit on this one because he's gonna slide all all the way off this shit. He threw it out there and hit right back into the shadows of his. <laughs> Comfortable vacation that he's doing right now. He's like, oh, 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 my bad. Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, this man threw the fucking gasoline, poured it on slow, and threw the threw the lighter and walked away. And he's standing across the street watching the whole shit burn. Like nah. damn. <laughs> that was that was that was yo, dumb text messages Jamal was mild talk cocktail. That was a slow burn. That, 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 that was literally incendiary. I, I, I applaud him too because let me tell you something. Bill Belichick has not made an indeliberate move since that 85 divisional playoff game when he was the Giants D coordinator against the Bears. That's the last indeliberate move he made. Brian Flores is his guy, coached for him for years. You know, he, he, he found a way to out this shit. And not and 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 not have his hands dirty. Word. That, was not, that is not by accident, bro. The chess move was fatal on this. <laughs> this, this. This was a death blow right here. And, it and back. I'm sorry, go ahead, TJ. No, and, and it just stains the entire shield of the NFL. Like it, it's a huge smack in the face. It's coming from like you said, Dan, one of your GOAT legend coaches of all time. Who's gonna argue? <laughs> who's gonna argue against this man? Come on. So he got he he started this snowball. He was like, "Watch, they're gonna fuck my boy over." He knew it already, and he said, "I'm gonna stand up for my boy this one time." Again, to the organization that he loved, he came from the Giants. You know, this is the organization that set him on his path to be the great person he is now. But the irony behind and and the weirdness behind what you just said in. I'm going to take care of my boy, but I'm going to do it by way of hurting his feelings in a way. I don't know if that's that's not ironic or that's more. There was no other way he could do it, though. Right. There was no other way he could do it, though. And but, so you're saying that this is a legit you, you, you feel y'all feel that this is a calculated mistake. Yes. You would have to show me the, yes. the opposite with Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I give somebody you that. had to fall on a sword and he, he picked his boy to fall on the sword for this one. You know I, what I'm saying? I, I'll give you that because I remember Deflate Gate, <clears throat> I remember Spygate. And he did that shit. And only got it. only got slapped for Spygate. When he when he was supposed to have served a year suspension after Deflate Gate. But good Goodell diffused that shit real quick. It took all blame off of him. But made the Patriots organization pay that fine and Brady 
serve the suspension. But Bill, like I said, we got to save the God MC of, of coaching. He was off the hook. So I, I agree with y'all. He's yeah, off like the hook on this too. He's like off the hook said, on this too. Give me, give me proof. You said it, Jamal. Give me the, give me sta staunch proof opposed to this. <laughs> I think he's taking care of his guy. I think he yeah. knew they was they they was doing uh, Flores dirty. That was one of his dudes. Um, I think he was taking care of him and doing it in a way where he couldn't get in trouble for it. Oops, it's an accident. Sorry, wrong Brian. Yeah, yeah. my yeah. bad, Raj and them. You know, and them them text bubbles, them text messages. Uh, you know, the the, the font on his phone was probably big as shit. So it probably, <laughs> <laughs> it there's probably, no way. You, it, there's it no way you send that last text. Name. There's <laughs> no way you send that text and not know who the fuck you text it. There's a big so, difference between Flores and Dable. Okay, <laughs> you think more than but, just looking at him. Yeah. So, so I mean. Are they gonna? Is the NFL now going to go the way of Kaepernick and possibly pay this man off some huge amount of money to keep quiet and sign an NDA and take care of his family for like the rest of his life? Cut him a check for like a hundred mil and be like, "Yo, this will we'll just make the owners foot the bill for the hundred mil, which is a drop in the bucket for them." And you know they all come up with ten mil a piece or whatever you divide that by thirty two is. Everybody cut the check and be like, "Yo, you can't work for us no more, but you're good for the rest of your life." You know what I'm saying? It's like Kaepernick, said, Kaepernick it's, ain't broke. And Kaepernick. It's, it's like you said, Jamal. Like it was a, it was a, a commendable yet hard risk that he pulled. But as soon as you said risk, and as soon as I heard all of this when this first all played out, I immediately thought he just martyred himself, like Colin Kaepernick did. No, no doubt. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. the difference, the difference in this though is, is he speaking Colinism. Right. The other the, the other difference is teams were ready to hire Colin. I don't think anybody's going to roll with this guy after this. Dan, I'm going to disagree. I think teams were verbally ready to hire Colin because it looked good. But he also he also played it off like, nah, I don't want that. Nah, I don't want that. Nah, I don't want that. Which to me, it also looked like the situation that a lot of black coaches fall into in general. Like how Doug Peterson just got the job in uh in Jacksonville, right? We all thought it was uh we all thought it was Byron Leftwich, and then y'all reminded me in the group that he had the Byron was just like, I need a different GM in there. I don't trust this guy, yada yada. There needs to be another GM in there. But I, I'm I'm just explaining the situation vaguely, but I really am just trying to say that blackhead coaches for the most part with the exception of one of them that we're going to talk about as some of the, one of the best to do it a little later is that mostly, especially within the NFL, you start off in shit situations, turn shit situations around, then you can potentially get another job. So Colin would have just ended up on a non-contending team. Brian Flores, the Giants wouldn't have been contenders. But for a team that loves that loves that discipline, that loves that structure, and the dude is from fucking Brooklyn. Right. Brooklyn. He's from Brownsville. He's black. It don't get no harder and than he's, Brownsville. He's Latin and black. <laughs> he checks multiple boxes. 
all the boxes. And, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I wanted the Giants to get Flores, but I knew that I, it was only, it was hinged upon them hiring uh, Riddick. Right. If you I said that. Hired him, you I said knew that. they had no shot at Flores. Right. But the Giants pretty much had a, 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 a lob pass to them right now with, with Brian Flores. All they had to do was just put it in the hoop. Mm-hmm. And they bumped that up. And, yep. you know, whether they, they, they – You and finger rolled it. <laughs> you know, don't don't remind me. Whether they consciously made a racist decision or whatever, r- racism is uh, is um, <clears throat> is conscious and unconscious, and that's the part a lot of people have trouble understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, if you're used to doing things a certain way, and that's always all you've known, and you, a lot of those folks don't think that shit is racist, right? And really, right. even they benefited from that. And right. I think the Giants need to take a hard look at themselves. And, and the hiring practices and, and, and see what's what, but it's out there now. And which yeah. what I think um, with, with Flora's situation, what he did, and you're right, that was self-sacrifice. He knew, he knew it was done. Like I said, with his age, yeah. he could have, he could have he worked for the next 25 years, but um, where the difference between him and Kaepernick is that, yeah, he's talking. And two, I think he wants blood. He wants, he actually, I, he wants, he absolutely. wants blood. This is not going to go away. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to just give him a few dollars and put some pro-black slogans on some fields and posters and advertisements and, and think and stop. think it's gonna yeah. stop stop hate on the back of a helmet while you yeah. joking somebody out. So, <laughs> but I don't know if this is gonna go away. And it, it's you know it's it's a microcosm of society as a whole in this country is that um, one what we all know racism hates to be acknowledged. That is the key. Critical race theory, anyone? Yes, Ooh. racism hates to be acknowledged, and if you look at the history of well the country we live in, racism is only acknowledged in retrospect, because current racists will always say, "Well, yes, it was racist back then, but at least we're not sending dogs on you now and saying bathrooms and shit that we use now." But that generation of racists was was said, "Oh, well, at least you're not in chains and shit and whatever else." So. Racism only gets acknowledged in retrospect. So that's where but, the NFL is, is, is right now. So we also got to look at the hiring practices of the NFL. It is the league of the hookup. All right. You get on, you hook it up. Everybody else that helped you get to where you need to be. Right. Hands down. Nepotism. You know, you, your cousin, uncle, son, your boy from third grade who followed you through the league. You are getting hooked up. I, yo, they gave me the keys to this kingdom, bro. Jamal, you on. Dan, you on. We're going to bring everybody in that I need who needs a job. I don't give a shit if you're catching the balls for the, for the ball boy. You're getting hooked up, bro. Let, let me simplify that by how it's called in this league. Coaching tree. Tree, yes. Right, right. Coaching it's a hookup. It's and a fucking hookup, though. And TJ, as I, I'll say, I said it once, I said it twice, and I'll say it again. He is of the coaching tree of the God MC. That's right. And Bill right. Belichick. The ultimate hookup. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you, you are He's the, the ultimate hookup. And think about all of his fucking spastic fucking coaches that have went on elsewhere and shit to bed elsewhere. His offensive coordinator just got a job with the Raiders. Yes. After fucking up the Denver Broncos. Yes. How about this? And how about this? Non-coaching tree status. Just to further add fire to the flame. 
of what's going on. They're talking about Josh McCown, who is a high school quarterback coach right now. Former Eagle quarterback, third string, by the way, too. But they're talking about Josh McCown as a viable option as a head coach in the NFL right now. For who? Exactly. That's what and, 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 and when when Jamal brings up the whole racism and stuff in the, in in America, and it goes back to that saying of we got to work twice as hard, twice as strong, twice as fast, all of that. When their mediocrity gets them through, possibly well, because you, they were a nice guy. Well, you look possibly at the Dolphins situation, right? The do- they're they're about to turn the corner and be on some winning shit, right? Now, you let go of the black coach, so the next guy come in can reap all the rewards and success because the team is entrenched and firmly got shit on the, on, the up, on the uptick now. That would be the ideal situation, and you just brought something in my head before that I wanted to mention. When I mentioned the situations of you got to start and shift situations to then elevate yourself upward person that we're going to talk about later, Tony Dungy. He turned that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who was shit prior to him around. Got them back up, got them back up to something. John Gruden finished the job. Right. I.e. Mark Jackson to, to Steve Kerr. But then Herm Edwards, the Jets, to Yes. You know? Yeah, but but also too though and that 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 situation granted jets still were roughly a bad team you brought in a better defensive mind in my opinion that actually got that jets team into two afc championships in a row because of phenomenal defense not from quarterback play from from serviceable quarterback play very good run game with thomas jones in them but their defense played phenomenal. I mean, Lovey Smith under, it was brought the Bryant. Bears to the Super Bowl, and where is he at now? Right, right. But where is he at now? It's you got to work twice as hard to build the bullshit to get something better. That's where Brian Flores should be going to right now. That's where he should be going to right now. And don't automatically think that the Dolphins are just going to be better. That to me was the sign of being coached up to go from 0 and 7 to 9 and 7. That's crazy. How do you turn crazy. how do you get a team to turn that around? That should be like, you know what? Jerry Jones, I need to hire this motherfucker right now. Right. You don't understand what I'm saying? Like how, how do you get fired from that? He should have never been fired. We wouldn't be talking about this if he was fired. Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell, curse of Jim Caldwell. You fucking, you made the Lions look like something. Goodbye. And then we didn't even speak about when we're talking about the Dolphins and what he alleges that the that the owner offered him a hundred thousand a game to lose more for better draft picks. That's crazy. That says to me, that says a lot about how you feel about the pieces you picked up in most cases that says a lot to me about how you feel about the quarterback play from the guy that y'all was sold on that he was your head coach was not sold on yet he was still able to utilize that man to give you nine wins after an 0-7 start if that doesn't tell you 
that again, you worked twice. <laughs> Some would say that's 10 times as hard to pull a bad Miami Dolphins team up to nine and seven after all in the NFL, it's especially hard because that's one of the few sports where you have to depend on everybody, everybody, to be, everybody to be successful in all phases of the game. You need your yeah. defense clicking. You need your offense clicking. You need your kick and special teams game kicking. You kicking. You need everything to work to start off zero and seven, then rattle off seven straight wins against quality. I mean, there's there's shitty teams in the NFL, but them guys got pride, so they're gonna go out there and play every every day. They bring it. They might not match the talent level on the other side of the field, but. They're not taking any days off. You know what I'm saying? These guys are playing for a check just like everybody else is. You can't mail it in in the NFL or you get hurt. You know what I'm saying? You cannot mail it in in the NFL because you will get hurt or you will be sitting or, you know, your, your, rep will, your rep will follow you wherever you go. This guy doesn't play hard. You know how and, that goes. They tag you with that and then you're done. And that's why I agree that he is now the martyr for black coaches within the NFL. He spoke out. He's done for in He's the told. NFL, in my opinion. If somebody, if somebody, the does Texans hire, look at the Texans are looking at, at him for some reason. But I wouldn't go to that waste, tr that dumpster fire of an organization. No matter how say, much money you see, you, my they face. gave him. <laughs> you see my face. We just seen we just seen the brother that that like what it took him twenty years almost to get a shot. That was that was a fucking. They already went through a sympathy hire. Why are you gonna make another one to just to quite possibly silence this guy? He's not suing you for a job. That's what Kaepernick did, and a lot of people would yes the fight that Kaepernick put up was warranted. It was justified. Making his voice heard for our people to be heard. But let's keep it real, too. All that whole play was to also try to get back in eventually. It eventually turned as a play to try to get back into the league because the man still loved the game. He was still good at the game. At the time, he was better than at least 60% of the quarterbacks at play during that time. Indeed. But the, the whole circus eventually turned into I want a job. This here is, is it's, yeah. it's, this is direct to yeah. the league. This yeah. isn't the to the mass populace of the country. This is direct speaking to you, to your face. And something like this is like you giving me a black eye, you black both of my eyes, and now you want me to be your friend again? Yeah. And he's got data behind it, man. He's got data, circumstances, and you could just look, even look at what's going on with Eric B. Enemy in real that's time. Yeah, he's going to get it. Week. Yeah. And see, people like him, people like Byron, people, they're going to get jobs faster now because of this. Yes. Which, yes martyred himself but guess what my opinion he is now going to be an excellent coach for hbcu and now you will pick him up behind that now like now let's you brother here's a job let's say a b enemy or a left which gets a job he wants to bring the you want to bring flores in as a defensive coordinator does he get a job he's done he's done yeah, they'll they'll them owners will tell him 
you can't hire him. And guess what? Like I said, 32 independent contractors. They can pick who the fuck they want. They do it each and every year in and year out. Sorry, Brian. Your, mm-hmm. your, your days in the NFL are over. Like, like y'all said, they're going to cut him a check, Jamal. They're going to cut him a check. They're going to cut him a check. But I, I personally think there should be a college team out there somewhere. Oh, he get a, he can get a job on a college level anywhere he wants, anywhere he wants, anywhere he wants. Yeah, he's gonna be good money there. But as far he'll get a go away, he'll get some go away money from the from the NFL. Let's they don't want to go to court with this because they don't want it. They don't want any outside investigation because as we know, as we know with any institution, they institutions cannot self police, and the NFL wants to continue to self police, so they're gonna pay him some hush up money. But that's going to be the last NFL check he will cash for the rest of his life. I believe it. It'll be a big check, though. It'll be a it'll be a healthy check. Something to prevent a lawsuit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is not going away anytime soon. We'll be talking about this for a few months, for sure. No, for absolutely, sure. and, and we will, and we will, because something like this is important to track. And I'm glad you led me into that before we transitioned because I, it, it, when this whole situation first started, right? I started to hear certain radio shows. A lot of, you know, a lot of people around the world started to speak about this situation. And there was one moment that made me say, this is important to why we do what we do because I heard her AM radio station and clear as day it was a white host on the show and this this isn't I'm not saying this this is everybody I'm just speaking specifically to this station that guy took the typical stance of well he already had a job in the league he got a job they hired him you know what I'm saying? He was in the league for some years now. He's had several different coordinated jobs. I don't think this lawsuit is right. I don't think this is a, this is a justifiable thing to do. I don't think this is the right thing to do. Then you look at, I, I took a screenshot of um, Chris Boussard. Uh, uh, shout out to Will. He posted in the group um, a video from Fox Sports of all places. And it was Chris Broussard talking about this situation, speaking that how this was the right thing to do, which is weird to say that somebody's on Fox was standing up for his on his behalf in this way. But then everybody else on this show, they all kind of shared the same look and demographic. Even Chris Broussard, his you know his skin tone was TJ's skin tone. They all looked like white folks. They all were, with the exception of him no shots you know what i'm saying but they all and it's so many of that aren't looking like us that have the power in in major in major media to talk about the situation and try to spin it television radio and otherwise try to spin the situation to try to make it look bad and downplay it Fuck shit lock. I'm not even bringing that up. Hold on, TJ. But mm-hmm. it, it it brought me back to why places like us are important. Why why podcasting is important. 
why radio shows and or podcasts of different demographics and multiple backgrounds and cultures and stuff of people is so important in conversations like these because you let the one side tell it. You let that dominant presence on television, radio, and others, the ones who get the opportunity, let them tell it all, and it's going to skew the mass majority's mind into thinking a certain way. That's why places like this, that's why places like our show here are so important. That's why for the few people who do tune in and check in and watch us and love what we do, they come back and say, yo, we bring funny, we bring this and that, but the most important, you're going to actually still learn something. And you'll learn a perspective that you're not going to get in mass media. You're not going to get on these freaking radio stations where you just had to maybe go to broadcasting school for six months, but once again, you got the hookup because my boy is the program director. My boy worked the board in this situation. Yada, 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 whatever the situation and case may be. This is why <clears throat> podcasting and situations like this are important because people like us who would not get the opportunities. And I had that one opportunity where I was on ESPN radio. Thank you, Ryan Lumber. Thank you, Ryan Lumber, for responding to a tweet. And when I asked about the fanalist Friday, and he was just like, sure. He didn't run a contest like he used to, but he just I just shot my shot. That was the one time. I even shouted the podcasts out and everything on there. I was allowed to. They'd let me. But voices like that, voices like ours, don't always get those opportunities. We don't. You a daily basis you look at the faces that you see on tv you hear the voices that you hear on radio consistently they're trying to spin you into thinking but saying that their perspective is more because they may have a college degree you're not going to get the the shit that we drop from most people on tv or radio things like that you're not that's why I was stating that something like what we do here is super important. It's not, it's for fun. I love this shit. We love this shit. It's fun. It's entertaining. But you're going to get perspectives outside of what they're trying to force feed you and tell you how to feel on a daily basis. Sure. Especially when it's a, hundreds of people that don't look like you. So just remember that, people. That's all I wanted to get off my chest. No matter how the NFL is trying to defend this, it's 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 a it's an ugly stain. It's take it's indefensible, really, to try to clean this up. It's indefensible. The numbers prove it. The lack of black head coaches on the field prove it. The the Rooney Rule being established more than approve, uh, proves what what the situation is. So everything is in this man's favor. No matter how you look at it, it's it's just ugly, and it is it it's the it's the conversation that people don't want to have. It's the conversation that people want don't have because they feel uncomfortable now. But we've been uncomfortable the whole our entire life. We're trying to have a conversation about one thing. We're not even going to get into all the other shit that we're uncomfortable about that we got here that we got to let slide. So, like I said. This is not going away no time soon. And 
because Goodell gets paid by the owners, he's going to have to toe the company line. He gets a hefty check every year. He's one of the highest paid commissioners, if not the highest paid commissioner in all of sports. I think he's like some ridiculous, like $55 million a year or some nonsense like that. It's, it's bananas, his salary. All right. That, that's ridiculous. So, yeah, he's going to slap a few wrists here and there and send out the memo of, you know, you got to do better with your hiring practices. But like you said, Dan, I'm a billionaire and I bought this team. I'm going to run it as I see fit. Fuck what you got to say at so, the end of the day. Yeah. All but all while following the rule. Hey, at least I interviewed these niggas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at least I interviewed these niggas. You know what I'm saying? And I, I plan on, I haven't had no free time to do it, but I plan on dropping a video about the fucking Rooney rule soon. It's going to be funny as shit. So, but it all stems back to, as I mentioned, when it comes to all of this shit, as Jamal mentioned about racism earlier, it's, 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 it's all good until you hit that revisionist history on him. I know he said it differently, but once you pull it back, that revisionist history, then it's, like you said, oh, well, we gave you niggas books. That don't mean we got to show you how to read. <laughs> you learned how to read that stop sign. Who taught you how to read? Who taught you how to read that Chris Rock joke? <laughs> you trying to get knowledge, nigga? Right? <laughs> There's a Boondocks but, episode like that. That's hysterical. But. <laughs> yeah. but like I said, man, start sticking with us. But, Find other podcasts and stuff to listen to, man. Get perspectives like shit. I mean, just you want other perspectives, different lane. Like my kids don't even watch like fucking Nickelodeon, Disney and shit like that. Like they're on YouTube all the time because these content creators and and, and the, the relaying and displaying of information, you could go to anywhere to get this stuff now. You don't have to keep complaining about, oh, the radio ain't playing my boom bap favorite hits and shit no more. The game Inform- has changed. Information has been vast for some time. And yeah. guess what, y'all? We have voices now. Hi, how you doing? Eight years here. We ain't going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? We've had voices for a long time. Start supporting a lot more of those independent voices out there over your mass media bullshit. And then you're crying and complaining later. Oh, the media, the media, the media. Well, don't, dumbass. You're lazy ass. Didn't go look outside the box. And that's that. Sure. All right. But coaches, that's the reason why we're here. Coaches. Hold on a quick second. Podcasting from the job. <laughs> my bad y'all but we're talking right, about please. we're talking about coaches i want y'all to go through a few save me some time i gotta take a quick split for like five minutes so whoever wants to go first go first jay you go first and then i'll follow you no doubt so i'm gonna start with number five on my list um as far as on my top five go uh african-american uh coaches and right now i'm going to start off with uh c vivian stringer head coach of uh rutgers ncaa women's basketball third winning winningest uh coach all time behind pat summit sylvia hatchell 
she's doing her thing. She's not getting the recruits that a lot of those other schools are getting. And she's just stayed up here winning. Just straight up here winning. Great basketball mind. Great motivator of women. Um, um, great X's and O's coach for basketball. Always has Rutgers relevant. And Rutgers, you know, Rutgers is a big school. In terms of school size in Jersey, it's a big school. But, you know, it's not on those top tier of national powerhouses. And she always has them competitive. And I don't think she gets a just dick. I mean, the biggest news story she had is when uh, the now dead uh, Mumra, uh, uh, Don Imus, said that shit about <laughs> her, her players. But, you know, um, I think uh, in terms of, of, of GOAT African-American coaches, she's number five on my list, brother. She definitely is a proven winner. Her track record is beyond reproach. Like Her resume is littered with achievements and accomplishments. Like, like you said, she outside of Pat Summage, the one of the most, or and I don't know who the second one is, but so, I, yeah. I mean, so. yes, yeah, she. I mean, if you're top three in women's coach coaching and women's basketball, and think mm-hmm. of the success of like Oriema and, uh, and what he's done with UConn, and um, I'm trying to think of the other. I can't remember the other person's name right now. Um, of these big powerhouse schools, and she continues to put up W's, like you said. Through all so the Rutgers. bullshit that she has so to all do. All the schools, Rutgers. She's doing that Rutgers. Right, right, you know? right. Which is not considered a powerhouse school at all. So you're talking about C, C Vivian. And I should have got a better picture because right now she. <laughs> no, that's the perfect picture because she's doing her thing right there. She's, doing, she's laying the law down. Yeah, bro. Get in. <laughs> Play defense, motherfucker. <laughs> she always has her girls, her women ready to play. They play good defense. They play good space basketball, and um, she can coach men because she 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 can walk. She walks into a room and demands attention, real, and everybody's yeah. quite yeah, pin drop when she starts when she you know when she starts cutting. So um, you won't catch her team unprepared and on any night, never. and that's the deal. Never. That's the deal. She she won't get beat because she was unprepared to play the team. It might be a talent issue, but it definitely won't be that's because it. she was unprepared to play the game. If she had the talent that, that Stanford was getting or, or UConn was getting or some of the oh. other schools. Yeah, forget about it. Be monster, so. But no, shout out to C. Vivian Strange. Indeed. I'm going to roll, since I'm back quick and unexpected, I'm going to roll with the cover photo of this week's episode. And that's Dawn Staley. Right. First off, shout out to my boy Eugene, super crush back in the day for reasons that are very understandable. But you want to talk about somebody who's built a resume, who's built a resume to to get to where she's at, to be quite possibly the best coach in all of women's basketball. This this woman here, I mean, I'm just going to run through her wiki and some of her accolades. It's, it's extensive. It's extensive. Six-time WNBA All-Star, 10th anniversary team member, 15th anniversary team member, two-time ABL All-Star, Honda Sports Award two times, two-time National College Player of the Year. This is all as a player. WBCA Player of the Year two times, two times USBWA Player of the Year, ACC Player of the Year two times. As a coach, she won the national championship in 2017. Three-time regional champion, 
six-time SEC tournament champion, five-time regular season champ, Naismith Coach of the Year 2020, WBCA National Coach of the Year 2020, National Coach of the Year AP 2020, USBWA Coach of the Year in 2020. She just killed everything in 2020. Four-time SEC Coach of the Year, four-time Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year, three-time Atlantic 10 regular season champ, and two-time Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year. That just to add on to her several gold medals playing for the USA team and coaching. I mean, I barely had to run her resume. Just mentioning her name alone is GOAT status. Philly representative. Yeah, you know, I actually had her on my list in the beginning. I, I went with C. Vivian just because the resume was longer, but Don belongs in it. I got no arguments with putting her on the list because she's a goat in the making right now, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Real. As, as, uh, as Jaden Smith said, I'm just an icon living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For, real. <laughs> For real. Who's next? Uh, my fifth uh, was uh, Tony Dungy. Uh, what this man has done on and off the field, helping other players in the league, helping uh, black players in the league, you know, helping Michael Vick get out of his situation after the whole debacle in Atlanta and get, getting him back into the league and getting a job where he could perform. I mean, the man's resume, like, as, as we mentioned here, you know, is littered with accomplishments and achievements. His personal record for his career in the 13 seasons he was a head coach is 148 and 79. Like, that's ridiculous. It's a, it's a 652 winning percentage. Uh, in the regular season alone, he was 139 and 69. The man just put up W's wherever he went. Only missed the playoffs twice, and that was with the the Bucks earlier on in his in his career. Never missed the playoffs with the Colts. Ran into the buzzsaw, which is called Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, several times. And Tom Brady is just Tom Brady, so you got to understand where he's coming from. Coach, one of the greatest quarterback minds of all time, if not ever, uh, in Peyton Manning. And had the wide receiver duo, one of the best wide receiver quarterback duels ever with Harrison and and Manning. Um, first black coach to win a, a NFL uh, Super Bowl. I mean, the the man's presence speaks volumes. Like you said, when he walks into a room, he commands respect. And he's doing a phenomenal job on Sunday Night Football. The man's well-connected. People still call on him, lean on him for advice whether it be personal, career, or otherwise. Uh, the man's a legend, walking legend. And, you know, for him to do great things is it, phenomenal. Right. And, it, it, and a person like him might have a ringtone like that, too. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's it once again, it, it proves to the NFL, uh, we could do this job, people. You know what I'm saying? But it also, too... When you're as great as he was, it's like to be black, you gotta be as tight knit and buttoned up as him, to where it can it can kind of show as a hindrance to others that are coming up, because you you nobody's going to be what Tony Dungy was, nobody ever, and to assume that we're all would have to think that way and act the same way and work the same way. It's it's asinine. 
it's asinine. But Tony Dungy, nonetheless, is an absolute legend and and indeed proves that we can do the job, people. Our people can do the job. Who's next? Who you got next, Jamal? I got next. All right, so I started with uh, Stringer. Next up on my list is uh, John Thompson from Georgetown. Um, Heavy. Yeah. John Thompson, um, two-time NBA champion as a player with the Celtics, was known as the Cadillac because he backed up Bill Russell, and it was an easy easy job. Um, You know, NCAA championship in 84, coaching the Hoyers, brought brought them back to relevancy. You know, they had been absent from the tournament for over 20-something years. Six-time Big East Conference tournament champion, five-time Big East regular season champion, Um, you know, multiple – uh, uh, tournament bursts and an eye for talent. But to me, John Thompson's probably his greatest accomplishment was off the court <laughs> because that dude sat in front of Rayful Edmund. And if you don't know who Rayful Edmund is, <laughs> watch American Gangster. Uh, uh, folks from the DMV know who Rayful Edmund was. And he told Rayful Edmund to stay away from, <laughs> from uh, Lonzo Morning. And a couple of other players, and Rayful Edmund is was not a gentleman to be, to be messed with. And Thompson says, "Stay away from my players." But his his on the court coaching and, and abilities speak for itself, man. Georgetown, you know, um, especially in our community, was huge. When yeah, was there. Um, huge. His eyes the unofficial talking. black college. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? So especially fans of fans of beast basketball, like myself, which I'm still. Probably one of the last six St. John's fans there. I know it ain't. <laughs> so, but watching them battles between St. John's, Syracuse, and Georgetown, and going to Legendary. them tournaments uh, at the Garden, it just—it was everything I loved about college basketball. Yes, you know. So, yeah, we grew up. We grew up in a great time for that. Especially Big East was. I still miss Big East in football with the yes, U and Syracuse and everybody, but. Yeah, nah, Big East basketball was like the premier in a way at one time. Whether we, whether I would say we, as far as the conference, was um, winning national championships and or not, there was always players that you were must that were must watch. I mean, he gave us Ewing, then he gave us Alonzo Mourning, then he gave no, and then no, he gave us Ewing, then Dikembe Mutombo, then Alonzo Mourning, I believe, or it might have been. The other way morning around. Morning then the Kembe, I think. But yeah, morning then the Yeah, morning then the Kembe. Yeah. And he gave us, and he gave us Allen Iverson, That's right. along with a whole host of others, along with a whole host of others. John Thompson, certified legend. Certified. I mean, legend. you 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 can't forget that press conference we had. We was going to choke the shit out of uh, John Calipari. So. <laughs> Your man, that's definitely a legend. His name rings bells. Uh, Patrick Ewan considered him a father figure, like, the, you know, a second father to him uh, throughout his career. And to coach his alma mater and follow in his footsteps, I mean, you can't ask for a greater role than that, you know, after being snubbed in the NBA for several years, being on the sidelines. And what he's trying to continue with the tradition of that program, uh, John Thompson, uh, is beyond legendary for the sport of basketball on all levels. Uh, somebody definitely you should look up to and, and try to follow. Yes, sir. Now I'm going to go with, cause 
Jamal and I got uh, several of the same, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna save those because uh, uh, I'm gonna go with this guy. Now I had an honorable mention that Ooh. I'm gonna show, show later at the end. But as I was thinking about it, and I read some of y'all names, I was like, yeah. How do we not talk about Emmanuel Stewart? Bro. International Boxing Hall of Fame coach. And great just pick, for, bro. I'm not even going to go pick. down accolades. I'm just going to read to you the list of names that this man has trained. And you're going to find some of the goats of goats in this fucking list. Dennis Andreas, Jonathan Banks, Wilfred Benitez, Jesse Benavidez, Mark Breland, Cornelius Bungrade, Oba Carr, Julio Cesar Chavez, Kermit Centrone, Miguel Cotto, Chad Dawson, Oscar De La Hoya, Dominique Dalton, Tyson Fury, Yurkas Gamboa, Miguel Angel Gonzalez, Mickey Goodwin, Nassim Hamed, Thomas Hearns, Evander Holyfield, John David Jackson, Hilmer Kentley, Ollie Kletz. Clemenstein, Vladimir Klitschko, Andy Lee, William Caveman Lee, Lennox Lewis, who might be the most famous of all of them outside of Vander Holyfield, Oliver McCall, Mike McCollum, Gerald McLean, Milton Conroy, Stephen Conroy, Michael Moore, which we all remember Michael Moore when that went down, Andrew Murray, Jim Paul, Aaron Pryor, Graciano, I'm not pronouncing the last name. <laughs> Tariq, some, I'm not pronouncing that last name. Donna Stevenson, Jermaine Taylor, Dwayne Thompson, James Tony, Siv Vanderpool, and Ricky Womack. I mean, that's just a countless number of world championships throughout all of that. I, I don't need to go further. And the, the man who was the main proprietor of Kronk Gym, who's what the world fam- most, one of probably the most world famous boxing gym out there. I it, it was hard. I, I'm glad he didn't slip my mind. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel Stewart needs to be shown some pro- love, proper respect out there. TJ definitely one of the goat trainers of all time. Uh, when you when you had this man in your corner, he was going to get you a strap for for what, whatever division you were in. Uh, the ability to 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 find your weakness and make it a strength his 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 legend speaks volumes i mean i i, I realized half half the people he he trained under when you read off the list i was like damn he he coached him too him too like i didn't i didn't realize like he had a, a aaron pryor was he was the corner man in aaron pryor's corner or um chavez either like i was like damn he, he he's definitely hot boxing hall of fame level worthiness. Um, the man's knowledge and and being in the box in the fight game is beyond reproach. Um, he's up there with with the greats of uh, in terms of boxing coaches of all time, no doubt. One hundred percent, I agree. Um, I have him on my honorable mention list, um, and it was I chose actually another boxing trainer. We'll get into that uh, for my top list, but. You can't knock Emmanuel Stewart's resume. Uh, how, how you know he's the most sought-after trainer from a great era of boxing with multiple weight classes, and you don't yeah, see that. It wasn't just one. 
where uh, trainers are training dudes in multiple varying weight classes. He, he trained big men, small men, flyweight men. He trained them all. That dude just I mean, from, you go from Mark Breland to Lennox Lewis. I so, mean, that's a huge jump. Yeah. He's, he's, Emmanuel Stewart, you know, his place is cemented in the pantheon of boxing gods. Uh, Emmanuel Stewart, you know, um, he's up there, bro. Great pick, Dan. Sorry, you definitely, definitely forgot about it. My guy is uh, Tubby Smith, uh, who took over one of the most prestigious uh, Division I schools for college basketball in Kansas and uh, led them to a national championship. This guy's resume is ridiculous. Um, he, you know, he's several, multiple Final Fours, multiple SEC, SEC championships. Um, Every uh, multiple regular SEC regular season wins, coach of the years in 2003, um, Naismith College coach of the year in 2003, Henry uh, Eba Award in 2003, two time MVC coach of the year, three time SEC coach of the year, Big 12 coach, John Wooden Legends coaching award. I mean, the guy is a, is a legend is a legend and the first black coach to coach Kansas and, and bring them a title um, back in, um, was that 98, 1990, going back that far. Tubby Smith was a man not to be played with when you, when his teams were on the floor. Um, and his legend, he's still coaching now. Um, he's coaching at high point, but, it, the, the work this man had and the players he coached were phenomenal. Jamal, it's on you. No, you know, uh, Tubby is no joke. Um, great basketball mind. You know, had to walk in behind Rick Pitino. And, and that, that mess. Leave that team to a championship. Um, his, 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 um, his basketball acumen speaks for itself, man. Um, they didn't miss a beat when he took over for Rick Pitino. So they may have missed some of the recruiting prowess that Rick Pitino might have had. But, uh, no, Tubby Smith, is that's a good pick, TJ. Thank you, man. Now, one of your picks, what is something that you are opposite of? Because two of our picks were the same, which was, Ed, which was uh, Eddie Robinson and uh, and uh, Mike Tomlin. Okay. But uh, who, who's somebody that you pick opposite of? I'm going to pick Eddie Futch. And Eddie Futch uh, was also the boxing trainer. Um, so he's that black and white photo. There you go. Yeah. So Eddie Futch was Emmanuel Stewart before Emmanuel Stewart. And Eddie Futch uh, trained down in Baltimore, trained a, 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 a host of fighters. Most noteworthy was Joe Frazier. He trained the first man to beat Ali in the ring professionally. It is no coincidence that four of the five men who beat Ali were trained by Eddie Futch. Um, he found a hole in his game. Um, uh, uh, brilliant boxing mind is a, some of the best boxing trainers in history studied under F Eddie Futch and, and used his tutelage. Um, Eddie Futch, his, his, his most recent champion, his last champion, and which I think he, his, his greatest coaching job was he made Riddick Bowe a champion. Living in his grandma's basement, Riddick Bowe. <laughs> um, the job he did with Riddick Bowe was, was impeccable. 
And I wish we would have ended up, I wish we would have gotten that Riddick Bo Lennox Lewis fight. Uh, that would have been amazing. But, you know, you know, boxing politics stopped everybody from getting that. But um, Eddie Fletch, you know, um, they don't make trainers like that anymore, man. Not in boxing. And it's a shame that, that we, you know, uh, we lost him. But he had a brilliant career. And uh, that's on Eddie Fletch, brothers. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. Now, I'm going to roll into, I know I have three left. And I know one of my three. Well, no, two of my three. One of y'all picked. I'd have to look over, but one of y'all picked the same as me. Sticking with basketball, going with this man right here, yeah, Lenny Wilkins. You want to talk again about a fucking resume? You want to talk about a resume? First off, as a player, let's remember that nine-time All Star, All Star Game MVP, assist leader. His 50th and 70th anniversary teams. 19 with number 19 is retired by the Supersonics. And he made an All-American team in 1960 in college. But as a coach, 1979, NBA champions, coach of the year in 94, four-time All-Star Game coach, top 10 coaches in NBA history, career coaching record of 1,332 to 1,155 of 536 record. Hall of Famer, assistant coach of gold in 96, Olympic team coach in 92 gold. Do we need to, you know, gave Seattle its only championship in 79? I mean, Lenny Wilkins, I, I accolades aside, you you want to talk about like that that one dude that just he felt like a staple right. in the NBA when we were growing up, and we are of the age where we would most remember him as the the, the mainstay on the Atlanta Hawks mm-hmm. baseline as a head coach, and I'm not even gonna sit here and try to recount how many legends this man coached, how many games he's groomed and improved over the years. It's Lenny. Lenny just deserves high honors, no matter whenever you're talking about coaching. Coach Lenny our will, beloved Knicks for a hot minute. You know very, hot, very hot. Minute. <laughs> Walked out on that dumpster fire. Um, Lenny Wilkins, man, like you said, his resume is is un, uh, impeccable. Like you said, he touched a lot of lives, coached a lot of legends, and and. The, the one of the winningest coaches of all time in in the NBA. Uh, you, you, there's nothing more to, to be said than that. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's done it all as a player and as a coach, and that's hard to do. That's very hard to do to carry that type of success over uh, from from a transitioning from a player to a coach. So respect that man. And I re- I realized, Jamal, why I felt like there was so many more because you put down six, but two of them are mine also. My bad. With Lenny Wilkins. It's all good. It's all good. TJ, it's on you. What's your next? Who was your next pick? Uh, I'm going old school. The, the man I, I didn't know I shared a birthday with it was Clarence Edward Big House Gaines. This man coached for 20 some odd years. Never had a losing season. Never had a losing season. 
incredible. His overall record was um, 828 uh, to 447. And shout out um, to Big House Gaines who just walked by. Your pops just walked by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, live, you live with the man. What are you doing? <laughs> um, won, the NCAA, uh, won the NCAA championship back in 67. Eight-time CIA championship. Six-time CIA coach of the year. His last one in 1980. Um, the man's work is impeccable. Got the name Big House from a fellow student. So his six foot three, 265 pound frame and said, you're big as a house. It stuck. And he became the legend, as we know all know, as Edward uh, Clarence Edward Big House Gaines. The man is a legend. Um, coached Morgan State for um, five years and then went on to Winston-Salem. And coached them for the next uh, 20 years, uh, retiring in 1993. This man is a beloved man in in the college annals of basketball and is a legend. And before we go to Jamal, he coached the legendary Stephen A. Smith, y'all. It would be black. It would be blasphemous if he didn't mention that. <laughs> it would be very blasphemous. But Jamal, you know, we can. We share these last two. Okay. And since we on the old heads, no disrespect. We're going with this man here. Go right ahead. What can be said? Eddie Robinson, he's he's he was number one on my list. I know I have another one, but Eddie Robinson is no joke at you know um Grambler State University. Brother has a record of 408 wins, 165 losses, 15 ties. Um third career. Win, th third most career wins at the college football uh, level, um, led Grambling State to 17 SWAC championships, nine uh, black college uh, national championships. Um, and he's the only coach, the only HBCU coach to win a championship, a national championship in five different decades. That's crazy. That's longevity for him. That man knows the game of football. Um, sent about two, almost 200 uh, Grambling State players to the NFL. And especially during an era where HBCUs used to send a disproportionate amount of, of black players to the, to the NFL before the NCAA got involved and started pillaging. So um, uh, Eddie, Rob Eddie Robinson, he's, he's the godfather. He's the GOAT of, of all black coaches in my book. I, I totally agree. I totally agree, man. Like, it's, you, you couldn't think Grambling football and just not mention this man's name. You know, like you want to talk about synonymous with just one thing. You want to talk about loyalty with just one thing. Even still to this day, you mentioned Grambling. He's the first name that comes out of multiple people's mouths. Multiple people's mouths. And I know I have a friend who graduated from Grambling. And it's same thing. The dude is God down there. And and he to be to be honest, he's a god to black college football as a whole. And again, to have a resume. Not many have a resume like that where you can say you sent over 200 plus players to to become professionals at the same sport. That says a lot. Actually, that says a lot, and actually, it tells you we can do the fucking job. <laughs> yeah, I actually had the pleasure of watching him coach uh, um, a game. Um, uh, they used to do. Um, Grambling used to play up at Giant Stadium a few times, uh, one, at least once a year back in the day. And I uh, went to one of those um, 
games and saw him coach. They didn't win, but um, uh, it was just it was just an honor to to, to go to one of those games and, and see 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 the man on the sidelines in person like that. So, you know, like you said, his resume speaks for itself. Yep. Um. But next up, and I'm my number. You'll my number next. one. Okay. After, after me, because it was my okay. turn. Oh, my bad. My bad. But it's just the fact that me and Jamal shared the same pick. It is the living legend, as we will call him right now, Mike Tomlin. We've been praising this man for the past few weeks now. 15 seasons, I believe it is. 15 seasons. Never had a losing record. Mm-hmm. His coaching history starts back in 1995 at VMI. As a wide receivers coach, Memphis, a graduate assistant, Arkansas State as a receivers coach, Arkansas State defensive back coach in 98. Then he moved on to defensive back coach in Cincinnati for two years, was with the Bucks from 2001 to 2005, Vikings 2006, head coach 2007 till today with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two-time Super Bowl champion, one as a head coach with the Steelers, one with the Bucks. Coach of the Year in 08, Motorola Coach of the Year in 08, uh, youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl, most consecutive non-losing seasons, 15. Overall record of 154-85-2. and two. And I think those two ties just came within like the last five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Overall career record, including playoffs, 162-94-2. and two. I there's not much else to mention after that with him. The man is still doing it to this day. If you need proof that a black man can run an organization, one of if not the GOAT organizations in all of football, the 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 organization that created the rule that forces owners to have to interview two of y'all. And you talk about again stability. This 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 man is the living embodiment of what stable organization and stable coaching looks like. Even though, yes, you rotate your coordinators here and there, they still got to come answer to you year in and year out. Year in and year out, this man has never had a losing season ever, ever. Who I don't think anybody can say that in the NFL. I would have had to do more research to try to find more names to have possibly come close come close instant hall of famer once he's said and done once it's all said and done instant yeah um you know i'm on the same page with you mike tomlin i got tremendous respect for mike tomlin and um big fan of mike tomlin um i think mike tomlin is a survivor of so much slander on top of his wins all he does is produce but (laughs) what happens to so many black coaches is you hear language like, well, he's got good coordinators or he's got good this and things rotate and change in Pittsburgh. The only big, constant is Mike, yeah, is, is Mike Tomlin is still delivering, especially this year. I think he did a hell of a coaching job this year because Ben was straight garbage. The offensive line is straight garbage. They had no running game. The defense was not nearly as stout as it was last year. And he still put the boys in the postseason. And I think it's underestimated. You know, they try and say, well, he's not an excellent nose guy. How do you know he's not an excellent nose guy? His, his teams are consistently there. They change coordinators. His teams are consistently there. 
So give them credit for something. You know what I mean? And I think they severely underestimate uh, the power of a motivator of men. And Mike Tom, you, you can have all the X's and the O's in the world, but if you can't motivate those players, and if you play the sport of football, you can have the best X's and O's coaches on the other sideline. But if the coach on the other sideline has his players believing they can beat you any day of the week, which team's going to win? Any given Sunday. It's, it's actual facts. Yes. It's actual facts. You can, you can be the fucking mad scientist of whatever. You can be what they thought John Gruden was. You can be all of these guys they, who they thought they were. If you have a group of players who are ready to run through the wall for you, that's anything it. is possible. And that's what Mike Tomlin is. Mike Tomlin consistently delivers. So give that man his flowers. 100%. Indeed. Now, TJ, your last one. My last one, uh, one of the goats of all time. Uh, I'm going with uh, Sir Richard Williams. Um, uh, the father. The pictures that didn't come up. Um, of Serena and Venus Williams, coach several others, yes, and several others. Uh, coach Serena, um, Venus to 49 singles titles, Serena to 79 singles titles, and also is a doubles titles coach, um, with Serena and Venus. And, um, he's got 21 doubles coaching titles with, with those two together. What more can be said? Serena is possibly the greatest tennis player of all time, male or female. All right, her her record, her her resume is untouched. It's fun, it's it's ridiculous. Top Venus, three to, top three to five greatest athletes. Period. 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 What that man has done from his humble beginnings to get his daughters to play in some of the worst conditions you could possibly play tennis in. To, to be on the on the top of the mountain and put both of his daughters there is incredible. Incredible. Unmatched. Unmatched. And what he's done is, is, is beyond phenomenal. I mean, you want to talk about somebody whose kids believe in, in him and what he's done and what he's proven out on these courts is, is, is bananas. Ridiculous. And that's why I had him as my number one. Yeah, I didn't have no particular order with mine. But, Jamal, you mentioned I want to hear what your honorable mentions are. After I give my last one, that this is somewhat of an honorable mention. But I wanted to add him in the list before I rem remembered Emmanuel Stewart. Go with the player, the player of all players, Mr. Teddy Long. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to go with the player of all players right there, Mr. Teddy Long, NWA Hall of Famer, WWE Hall of Famer. I mean, this dude started off from, like, just humble, humble beginnings in wrestling, like driving people, then was helping out building rings and helping out running shows to, hey, man, you ever tried to want to be a manager? The rest is history. The rest is history. So I just had to throw it in there that Teddy Long. I wanted to mention the Doctor of Style Slick also mm. because I, I I was googling I was googling my ass off for of black managers outside of my head because I was trying to remember more than just them two, and they were hard to come by, very hard to come by in the world of professional wrestling. But I had to give it up for the player 
Teddy Long one time. What was your honorable mentions list before we close this out? Uh, it was Dawn Staley, of course, so we, 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 we touched on. Um, Casey Jones? Yeah, yeah, I had him as well. You muted. You muted. I didn't dude. say who do you have on your TJ list. I said <laughs> who do you have on your honorable mentions was Jamal Froze. Um, I had Tiger Woods pops as an honorable mm. mention. Um, what Tiger Woods done is transformed the game of golf completely. Um, brought a new aspect, brought weightlifting and working out into golf. You know what I'm saying? Changed the entire sport, revolutionized the sport. Had us. Black folks watching golf because of who Tiger Woods was and what he was doing, and and the amount of success Tiger Woods had on the greens. So that was my honorable mention. Yeah, I mean Tiger, shit. I mean, Tiger, the way he changed the game was really a, a lot. Besides strengthening, you know, endurance, he made them have to stretch out holes pause make make holes a little longer you know what i'm saying because of all the power he had at the time um you want to talk about I, I mentioned teddy long and one of the words in the in the world of professional wrestling is if you're a draw mm -hmm. who was tiger woods might have been the biggest draw to any sport ever period like tj mentioned like he brought black folks to golf you know a lot you know what i'm saying yeah. This like a lot of a lot of older black men might have loved golf for some time, but he made us pay attention. He made us pay attention, and the PGA's ratings showed that on a week in and week out basis. He made golf must see TV when when Tiger Woods was playing. Yeah, you was, were watching it. You were cognizant of of what's going on. What is Tiger doing? Like, where is he at? At, at least the last nine and. Everybody knows Sunday Tiger. Right. <laughs> you know, that came from daddy. He get it from his father, just like TJ once again. He got it from his <laughs> But this was dope. We showed love. Next week, it's up in the air. Y'all will find out during the week what we'll talk about next in this month of blackness. So, Jamal, you know what to do. Yo, shout out May and TJ. Great show, y'all. Great topics this week. Shout out everybody in the starting five, everybody that's watching, everybody in the starting five. Y'all have a good week. Yep. Another great show. Love this. Check the QR code by Jamal's head over there. If you want to be involved, uh, we, we welcome everybody, like Dan said. Um, have a great week. Shout out to Katara. Her birthday was this week. Happy birthday, yes. Katara. Happy birthday. Um Still the Miss first you. lady of this show, even though still for still the first. She don't come lady. around the block anymore. But <laughs> still the first lady. Um, yeah, and have a great week, y'all. Stay warm. Still ain't, get, ain't getting no warmer yet, so bundle up out there. It was brick outside yesterday. <laughs> and with that being said, no more else for me to say other than continue to support, 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 support us independent voices who are free from media control. Continue to support us. Disabled Peace. planets. Disabled planets. <laughs>